Good morning. Welcome to everyone. We're glad that you are here this morning. It's great to be in God's house with God's people uh, sharing this time of worship together. And we welcome our guests, especially today. You're very important to us. We're glad that you are with us and hope that you'll feel very much a part of our family as we worship God together this morning. Uh, Just a few announcements I'd like to call to your attention. First of all, let me remind everyone of our attendance sheets that are on each aisle in the uh, pew pad there. And I'd like to ask if you would to take that and to fill it out so we could have a record of your attendance with us. And be sure to give us your email address if you would like to, uh, uh, to be on our list for our email newsletter that comes out each week. But before you pass the, the uh, sheet down the aisle, I, I want to ask you to do one other thing. Uh, some of you have heard that... Um, that this coming week on Monday or Tuesday, probably Tuesday, we may be in for some bad weather. Uh, they, they don't know. They're some, sometimes they're saying it's all going to be rain. Sometimes they're saying it's all going to be ice or snow. Uh, we don't know what's going to happen this week. Uh, however, we need to be prepared for that. And as some of you know, our church has been certified as a shelter uh, by the Red Cross and uh, and so we need to be prepared in case we are needed. Um, uh, you know, this happened a couple of years ago and power was out for many people for weeks sometimes. And so we need to be prepared. And so as you are passing the attendance sheet down the row, if you would like to volunteer in any way uh, in case we are called up to be a shelter during this this time of uh, of uh, bad weather, please just put. By your name, shelter. Just write the word shelter uh, to say that you would be willing to volunteer in some way. And we need all kinds of volunteers. We need people to cook. We need people to greet, greet people and register people at the doors. We need people just to be here. And so if you would be willing to uh, spend some time here at the shelter if, in case we're needed, and I hope we're not, 
But in case we are, we need to be prepared. If you'd like to do that, please put the word shelter out beside your name. And oh, yes. And also your telephone number and your cell number, uh, both, actually, if you would, because, you know, last time, uh, sometimes the cells were down, sometimes the landlines were down. So if you could put both of your numbers, uh, we would appreciate that. Uh, also, let me call to your attention um, our time and talent auction that's coming up on February 13th, just a couple of weeks away. And understand that uh, Brittany and Rachel and Mary have uh, something to say about that. So come on up and share with us. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. You have until next Sunday to bring in your talent to be placed in the silent auction. You, are you still thinking of an, an, an idea for the auction? What about something you could do in the springtime, like washing windows or cars or dogs or even springtime cleaning for the house? In the summertime, you could do lawn work, gardening, or run errands. In the fall, you could rake leaves and put away for winter storage. In the winter, you could wrap presents, shovel snow, address cards, or help with Christmas shopping. Now that you've got some ideas, you're, now that you've got your ideas you're going to bring to the talent show, you can bring them to the far table and place your presentation there for the February 13th dinner and auction. And I just want to remind you, please call the church office this week if you haven't already to let them know if you're coming to the Valentine dinner. And that is Sunday, the February 13th at 530. And just a couple things for the kids. Tomorrow night, let me remind you, if the ice doesn't get here early, we are holding a Pizza Hut fundraiser. It is Community Baptist Church Night at our Pizza Hut. And there are coupons. You have to have a coupon for us to get credit. Any pizza can be uh, delivered. You can carry it out, or you can come in and eat with us. A bunch of us are going about 5.30 tomorrow, uh, but it's from 4 to 10 p.m. And 20% of the proceeds go directly to the children's ministry. And what the kids are going to be learning to do, obviously, we're going to start a service project, and they will be going to possibly Pleasant Point or other nursing homes and just taking a, a little token of our appreciation for what those folks have done for us. So I hope the weather holds off. I hope we get our fundraiser in. But again, it's tomorrow night, 4 to 10, and 20% of the proceeds go back to our children's ministry. So come eat pizza or order it and have it delivered. And also February 13th, the night of the Valentine's dinner, if you've signed up and if you need um, child care, the youth group and the children's group will be together that night for, um, to help you with your kids. So hope to see you all at the Valentine dinner. So you see we have a lot going on here, a lot of, a lot of things that are happening, and there are other things that are going on as well. And We'd encourage you to uh, look in your worship folder and uh, take note of the other opportunities that we have. Um, but we have a lot going on and encourage you to be a part of as much as, as you can be. Uh, one of the things that we love to do here is to spend just a moment of greeting each other. We think it's important to share the love of Christ with one another. So let me invite you to stand and uh, greet each other in the name of the Lord. And as you do, let children come forward for our children's uh, moment. Thank <laughs> you. 
Hey, Mary. Mary. Can you come in? Will you come and sit with me? Yes, yeah, I will. Okay. Okay. How are y'all? Good. Who else do we have here today? Just y'all two? There's more. You look like your mother. If the children can come to the front, we'll have a children's moment. Come on down, children. Hey, Sydney. Hey, good morning. How is everybody today? We got some more coming. And I think... She's... Your brother's not here today, is he? What's Max doing today? Oh, cool. That's great. Any well, other children want to come forward for the children's moment? And Mary's coming to sit with us down here. Mary is our new director of children's ministries here at the church, and she's going to sit with us today, too. So we got more children coming. Great. we got a great crowd. Well, I'm so glad you're so smart. You know what? I was so privileged growing up as a kid your age to be around so many smart people. Two of my best friends growing up uh, were very smart guys. One of them is a doctor right now, and he delivers babies. And the other one that I grew up with who was really smart too, he's a preacher. And he's gone on from being a preacher to being a school administrator, but I have always been surrounded myself with smart people. Isn't that cool? Um... You know, here at the church, my Bible study teacher, her name is Mary Rye. Mary, can you raise your hand? Mary? <laughs> reverend, she is actually a reverend because she does the same thing as Pastor Tim does, only for sick people at the hospital. So we call her Mary, Reverend Mary Rye, and she is my Bible study teacher, and I just get so much wisdom from her. If you're not coming to Bible study, I encourage you to come uh, next Sunday at, for Bible study. There's a uh, Miss Cindy does a lot of cool things with the children, and Mary's um, working on developing a lot of cool things for children. So I encourage you to be a part so you can get smart and learn about the Bible. You know, we have another smart person that we have here at our church is our pastor. I call him Pastor Tim, but you know his real title is Dr. Tim Hobbs. It always confused me as a child. Uh, because there was this pastor uh, growing up, and if you were Baptist 40 years ago, you would know this man's name, Dr. E. Keevil Judy. He was a very well-known pastor here in Henderson, Kentucky, and it just confused the heck out of me because we referred to him as doctor, and he wasn't a doctor that took care of people. He was a preacher doctor. And you know how he, he got that title, just like Dr. Tim Hobbs did, is he went to school, and he became, he went to seminary, and he got a title as doctor. Isn't it cool to, to surround yourself with smart people? You think that's neat? Okay. Well, not only are they smart people in my life, but there's a lot of smart things in my life. And this particular thing, do you know what this is? No, it's not a video game. Some adults might think it is. I should have thrown a picture up there for you adults, but it's a GPS. Do you know what a GPS does? What does it do? It, it, 
It tracks your location and helps you get where you're going. Well, I use this a whole lot when I travel, and it is just so cool. You know, I think the, the lady that's, that talks to me here, she's British and she's a lady. You know, anytime you talk in a British voice, you sound smart. Um, but this lady, she was just telling me to go in this one particular direction, and I just knew it was wrong. I just knew it was wrong. She was just telling me to go here, go there, turn around, you turn, you made a wrong turn. So you know what I did? I just turned it off. I just turned it off and put it away. And guess what? A few minutes later, I was lost. And then I turned it back on, and guess what she said? Or actually, it was he that said it. Here's what he said. I told you so. You You think I'm going to help you now? You rejected me. There is, there is no, no way. way. You just, you just find your way, your way home, home by, by yourself. yourself. I don't know if you heard that. He was kind of echoing, but basically... The, I told you so. You uh, silly nubby. You think I'm going to help you now? You rejected me. There is no way. You <laughs> just find your said. way home by yourself. <laughs> so it said, that's what... Well, you know, God is like our GPS. He uses smart people like Dr. Tim Hobbs and Reverend Mary Rye to teach us things and lead us down the right path. But you know, sometimes we're not going to always do that. But you know what God does? He, there's a little thing called grace. And he shows us grace and lets us get back on track and try to follow him again. Okay? So that's the message that I want to give you today is that God and other smart people, such as uh, people that I mentioned here today and our new director of children's ministries, Mary Dunham, uh, guides you to get you on the right path along with God. Let's pray real quick. Lord, you're in charge. You're in control of us. And let us use you as our GPS for our life. Amen. And the children at the offertory, those of you that want to, can go back to children's church. And we do that at the offertory time. So we can all go back to our seats now. Thank you. If you join with me in reading, First, First Corinthians one twenty six through thirty one, brothers, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential, and not many were of noble birth. But God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. He chose the lowly things of this world and the despised things and the things that are not to boast before him. It is because of him that you are in Christ Jesus, who has become for us wisdom from God. That is, our righteousness, holiness, and redemption. Therefore, as it is written, let him who boasts, boast in the Lord. Pray with me. Dear God, thank you for choosing me. Thank you for seeing my flaws and weaknesses as tools used to help build your kingdom. Please give me strength, courage, and confidence to overcome the things that entrap me and hold me back. Help me to cleanse off that which is dragging me down. I need to sing a new song. I need to hum a new tune. And I need to 
step to the beat of your drum and your song. I need to lift your name in praise. May you be glorified in all that we do. May I glorify you today and in the days to come. May your words stay on our hearts and be in our doings always. Bless each of us here today. You alone know our needs and fears before we ever mutter a word. We love you. Bless us, dear Lord. pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the day that you've given us. We thank you for the life therein. We thank you for how you've blessed us in so many ways. And now we take this time to give back a little of what you have given us. We pray this for thy kingdom and in Christ's name. Amen.
Have you ever noticed that some bright people can say some really dumb things? It happens a lot. I think my favorite example is singer Mariah Carey. It was from her lips that we heard these oh-so-sensitive words. She said, whenever I watch TV and see those poor, starving kids all over the world, I can't help but cry. I mean, I'd love to be skinny like that, but not with all those flies and death and stuff. Nice words, Mariah. When the American baseball player Bill Gullickson signed a phenomenal contract to play baseball in Japan, he was asked about the daily life in Japan and what it was like, and he replied that the language was the most difficult thing to get used to. It's crazy, he said. The only American words I saw around here was Sony and Mitsubishi. (laughs) Folks, there's no limit to the foolish things that people say and do sometimes, particularly our legislators. A few years ago, Robert Pelton did some research on laws that have been passed with regard to behavior in churches, and some of them are really interesting. For example, young girls are never allowed to walk a tightrope in Wheeler, Mississippi, unless it's in church. Now, I'm sure there's a good reason for that, but for the life of me, I can't figure out what it may be. In Blackwater, Kentucky, tickling a woman under her chin with a feather duster while in church will get you a penalty of $10 in a day in jail. In Honey Creek, Iowa, no one is permitted to, ta- to carry a slingshot to church except for police. And swinging a yo-yo in church or anywhere on the Sabbath is prohibited in Studley, Virginia. And finally, turtle races are never permitted within 100 yards of a local church at any time in Slaughter, Louisiana. Yes, there, there's a lot of fool- foolishness in the world And that foolishness includes you and me. That's right. Paul, in our scripture for today, calls us foolish. He writes, brothers and sisters, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. But God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is lowly and despised and the things that are not to reduce to nothing the things that are. Do you know what he's talking about here? He's talking about us. He's talking about the church. And basically what Paul is saying here is that God has not chosen celebrities or rocket scientists to proclaim God's word. Instead, God has chosen people like us, farmers and office workers and tax preparers and artists. God has chosen electricians and plumbers and salespeople and nurses. That's who God depends on. God uses Ordinary, everyday people like you and me to do God's work. You know, we are a culture that worships celebrities, don't we? And frankly, I don't understand it. 
I have seen people fall all over themselves to get a glimpse of some well-known or important figure. And to be honest with you, most celebrities are no more intelligent or no better people than you or me. And quite frankly, many celebrities' fame is short-lived. They are popular because they've made a few songs, they've uh, uh, made a few movies or sung a few songs or played a, 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 a sport particularly well. But what have they done to really change the world? Most of them will be forgotten in the next generation. The fact is that it's not the celebrities that God is depending on so much to change the world. God depends on Sunday school teachers and greeters, people singing in the choir and deacons, good, ordinary people. People like Greg Gibson, who week after week. (laughs) Impressive, huh? (laughs) But let me tell you something about Greg. Week after week, month after month, he quietly spends hours every week setting up these visual components that add so much to our worship experience. He's someone who, prior to most special events that we have here at Community Baptist Church, either alone or or with a small group of people, he will come into the church a few days before and work diligently to transform this place into a a Halloween spectacular or a Christmas wonderland or an upwards award program that is second to none. He's a person who, as this photo indicates, can be a kid along with the other kids in vacation Bible school and lead them into a greater knowledge of God. I'm thinking about people like Sybil Keach, who quietly behind the scenes leads the trustees of our church to make sure that our church is a pleasant and safe place to be. And, and it's Sybil who keeps up with the needed repairs and improvements to our facilities here and arranges for them to be made. Folks, we owe her great gratitude because it's Sybil who keeps us warm in the winter and cool in the summer. And when we are involved in a mission project here, either here in our community or somewhere else around our country, Sybil's not content to cheer us on from from the sidelines. No, she rolls up her sleeves and puts most of us to shame with the kind of work that she's able to accomplish. It's people like Greg and Sybil who offer their wisdom in public and behind the scenes with one thought always in their minds. What can we do to be better servants of Christ here at Community Baptist Church? So you see, God uses common everyday people like you and me to do God's work. And that's what Paul meant when he told those Corinthians that not many of you were super intelligent brainiacs. Not many of you have the ear of influential politicians. Not many of you were born with a silver spoon in your mouth, but God wants to use the everyday, common, ordinary people like you and me to accomplish God's work in this world. My friends, we are God's plan for saving the world. And God is counting on us. God chose the church to do God's work in the world and This is one of the main reasons that Christ came into the world. 
Jesus spent a lot of time and effort to to train an ordinary group of men and women to take his message to the world, to proclaim it and to live it so that others will know what it what it means to follow Jesus. And who is that group of people? It's us. The church. Jesus came into this world to establish his church because we are to be his body. We are to be his hands and his feet and his mouth doing his saving work in a world that's lost. Jesus started out with only 12 men and a handful of women. By the time he died, his group was still very small. But then after Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came with such power, that number exploded. And by the, by the time Paul had written this letter to the Corinthians, there were tiny churches planted all along the Mediterranean Sea. Yet still there seemed like, it seemed like much, such a stretch when Paul said that God was going to use this motley group of ordinary people to turn the world upside down. So it's no wonder that it seemed as foolishness to him that that God was going to do something so significant with the church. And you know, there are still people today who think that it's foolishness that God's going to do anything significant with the church. And the sad thing is that some of these people are in the church. I know that silly things can happen in church. I've seen them. And tragic things can happen in the church. And the truth is that that some of the most unchristian people in the world are found in the church. We've seen it. Bigots, snobs, uncaring people, people who are an embarrassment to God. I'm very much aware of that. I'm glad that our church does not have that problem. But I also know this, and you know it too. The best people in this city are in the church. I run into them all the time. I'm all over this city, and I've run into people all the time. And I'll tell you, the best people in this city are in the church. They are people who care about their families. They are people who care about their neighbors. They are people who care about their communities. And the reason that they care is that once upon a time, they stood at the altar of a church like this one and gave their lives to Jesus Christ. So do you really want to make this community a better place? The best way that you can do that is to introduce the people that we meet to Jesus. That's how God has chosen to turn this world upside down. The work of the church is serious work. It is important work. It is life-changing work. And it is the work that God has called on you and me to do. And you know what that means? If the church is the means by which God has chosen to turn the world upside down. That means that each and every one of us has our part to play. If this is God's plan, not to work through all the celebrities and the rocket scientists, but through ordinary people like you and me, then that means that there is something for each and every one of us to do. Arthur Golden or Gordon once told about a man named Charlie who joined a prayer group that Arthur was a part of. And Charlie was not a joiner. And so this was very unusual. And so the next time Gordon saw uh, Charlie, 
he asked him why he had joined the group. And, and this is what Charlie said. He said, I had some problems and I was praying about them, but, but I didn't seem to be getting anywhere. And, and then one day I read an article about bees. I found out that when it gets too hot in a beehive, a group of worker bees will all face in one direction and anchor themselves to the floor of the beehive and all start flapping their wings rapidly, fanning their wings wings rapidly. Now, one bee doing that by himself wouldn't make much of a difference, but a lot of bees can produce an air current that's strong enough to draw fresh, cool air into the hive and blow the stale air out. So I said to myself, if a group of bees working together can activate a healing current that changes everything for the better, then maybe a group of people could do the same thing. And folks, that is a pretty good description of the church. That's a good description of what the church is all about. We are like those bees. On our own, we can't get a whole lot done. But when we all flap our wings together, we can blow out the stale air of sin and oppression and usher in the fresh healing spirit of God. But each one of us has to do our part. I heard about a young Methodist pastor who was serving a two-point circuit in the hills of East Tennessee. And what that means is that he was preaching each Sunday to two congregations. The larger church, which had their service at 10 a.m., had an average attendance of about 70 people. But the smaller church, which met at 11 o'clock, had an average attendance of four. Now, the young pastor resented having to preach each week to just four people, particularly at 11, at 11 o'clock. He had already preached his sermon once, and, and now he was preaching it to only four people, basically two elderly couples. And it was depressing to him. He, he felt that it would have been it would have made a whole lot more sense if the four people at his service would hop into his car and go with him down to the other church. Four people. There was another elderly couple that came occasionally, sporadically, and, and so sometimes there were six people. And then there was one older gentleman named Claude who came on Christmas and Easter, so on those days they had seven. But he rarely came on any other Sunday. But one Sunday, Claude did show up on a regular Sunday. And at the end of the service, the pastor could see that, that something in the service had, had moved him dramatically. And so he went up to him and he, after the service and he asked, Claude, are you okay? And Claude squinted his eyes and looked at the pastor and, and he said, Preacher, things ain't going to be like this around here anymore. Well, the pastor said I didn't know if he meant that he was going to burn the church down or what. I, I didn't know of any other way that this church was going to be changed. But, but the next Sunday, when the pastor drove up to that little church, there were cars everywhere. He went inside and there were children and there were teenagers and there were older people. 
And on that little sign, a signboard that, where they posted the Sunday school attendance, it said 58. 58 people. Now, that's a big deal when you've been averaging four. So he looked for Claude and he asked, he asked, where did all these people come from? And, and Claude said, well, preacher, I know these hollows up in here better than you do. And so I went to old folks and shut-ins that I knew who weren't going to church. And I said, if I come and, and get you on Sunday in my station wagon, would you come to our church on Sunday morning? And every once in a while, someone would say, why, Claude, you don't need to come get me. My daughter could bring me down there. And I would, I would go to a family that had young children. I'd say, if my son or I came to pick up your children on Sunday morning, would you let them come to our church? And every once in a while, someone would say, why, why you don't have to come for my children. I could bring them. And this is what happened. Fifty-eight people. Well, the pastor knew it wouldn't last. And it didn't. The next week, they were down to 56. But the following Sunday, they were up to 60. And for about a decade after that, that small church that had once averaged four people on Sunday mornings averaged around 50 people, most of whom would have never been in church except that a 75-year-old man named Claude was determined that his church wasn't going to be like that anymore. Folks, that's what it takes. That's what it takes. Why? Because God chose to do something foolish. God chose to use ordinary people like you and me. And God set out to change the whole world one person at a time. Now, we're here today to worship our Lord, but we're also here today to do something special. And that is to ordain two wonderful people to the ministry of the diaconate. Greg Gibson and Sybil Keach. You know, almost every person, almost every time a, a new person is, is chosen by his or her church to, to be a deacon, and they are approached with that thought in mind, most of them will be, uh, will be surprised by that, and they will say something to the effect of, I don't feel worthy of this honor. And it is an honor. But I want to tell you, it's an honor in a backwards way. Because you see, the word deacon means servant. And in most societies, a servant is not considered a position of honor. It's a position of lowliness. And so that, that feeling of unworthiness that is often expressed by a new deacon is precisely what makes that person worthy of the job. For you see, their church has already seen the spirit of servanthood in their lives and, and has chosen them to lead like Jesus did, by serving. And so the charge that I leave with you today, Greg and, and Sybil, is this. And, the, and indeed to all of us, be foolish for Jesus. 
Be brave. Be the servant that your church has called you to be. Do what the church has called you to do. Minister faithfully to the families that have been assigned to you. Go out into the hollows and invite others to come to your church. And that goes for all of us. For you see, God doesn't want to use just the rich and the famous. God wants to use little old me and little old you to do some big old things in the name of Jesus. So get to work. Amen. We are about to uh, ordain these two people to the deacon ministry, but before we do, we want to hear from them uh, some words. And uh, so I'm, I want to ask them to come forward. So, Sybil, I think, uh, are you on, on deck first here? <laughs> Ladies first, come and share with us a few words, and, and then Greg will follow. You know, I, I prayed to God for a while now to help me grow and to use me in ways I hadn't thought of and to take me further on this journey with him. And I was thinking he'd use me maybe to go to Haiti or to volunteer more in the community. And then Tim Call called one day and said I was nominated as deacon. And I had just... Just the thoughts that Dr. Tim just said. Whoa, I wasn't expecting this. So I told Tim I needed to think about it and pray about it. And I talked to God. Am I good enough? Am I a good enough Christian to do this? Can I make you proud of me? Am I worthy of this honor? I wasn't sure. I slept on it, and I woke up the next morning thinking, Deacon, am I, am, I, am I able to do this? And I had an overwhelming feeling come over me. God was answering me. You asked me to help you grow. You asked me to use you in ways you hadn't thought of. Then I knew it was clear. This is where he wanted me to go. This is where I need to grow. Um, Dr. Tim always says that we're all ministers. And I really understand what he means by that. Um, You guys have been such great ministers to me. And I look forward to your continued ministry to me both individually and collectively as a church. Um, You are my family, and I thank you. And I hope that I can help deliver God's ministry to you, and together we can bring the world to love each other in peace. Thank you.
Good morning. Doris Hall asked me this morning when I first came in and was working back there, he said, uh, do you have everything prepared? I said, yes, I do. I only keep you about 45 minutes. <laughs> no, I won't do that to you. You ever get asked a question a lot? Here's a frequent what question that I get asked. And what is it exactly that you do, Greg? <laughs> Were you or are you a Disney designer or an interior decorator? An advocate for children or an artist? A godly servant or just a church mouse? A giver or a taker? Each of these can be used to describe Greg at different times in my life. But what has really helped to define who I am today are some of the following things. I have an incredible family, an important mom and an important dad and brothers and even two sisters that have showed me how to walk your faith. Um, I have a mom right now who is on her 3600th day without a day off, living out her faith, taking care of her mother, if I can only do a portion of that. I had an incredible childhood church, Bennett Memorial, with incredible teachers and preachers that gave me the foundation that I have today that I've used so much. Living in Florida 20 years and meeting new people there and getting the opportunity to travel around the world has made me who I am. And special people like Nibby, who are a constant encourager and an enormous positive influence, and who introduced me to you all, my church family, who continues to play a role in my life. You're all special people, and these have all been tremendous, tremendous things and, and people and places that have influenced my life and made me who I am and developed my character. But I have to say the greatest influence has been God in my life. God and his unconditional love and grace that is visible through people like you all, like Dr. Tim just says, we all have a place in this life and we're placed here to help each other. How we carry out those talents and gifts and service is really what defines all of us. Last Sunday, our Bible school lesson was on being doers of God's word, and we should truly all make that our mission, to be doers of his word. When have I felt God's presence most in my life? Here are just a few that come to mind. At 11 years of age in a Columbus, Columbus Georgia hospital, I was fighting for my life after a horseback uh, horse riding accident, and I had my parents and family members and doctors and nurses over on top of me. Didn't know if I would make it, but I knew God was there with me, and I made it. At 21, when my nuclear family exploded, and within a 12-month period, my parents and my brothers all divorced. God, where's my foundation? He was there. At 40, when life turned onto a dead-end street in Orlando, Florida, and I found myself saying, God, am I supposed to really be here in Orlando? No, Greg, you're supposed to be back in Henderson, so that's where I am now. 
And last, but definitely not least, I felt God's presence many times as he's walked beside me when depression has tried hard to consume me. Thank you, God, for being with me always. But not all reminders of God's presence involve trying times or even hard times. Most, in fact, are joyful reminders that God is right beside me. Like last Sunday, when some are saying, his eye is on the sparrow. What a gift and a blessing. I mean, God was here in this house. Like seeing Rachel Hobbs sitting in our congregation. Oh my gosh, what a blessing. And what a miracle. And just last month, the unconditional love of a 10-year-old boy when he presented me with the gift of a green necktie with candy canes on it that when you press the button, it sings jingle bells. (laughs) God is all around us, and God works in strange and mysterious ways. And the examples are endless. You know you have them in your life. Uh, And God has touched our lives many, many times through other people. God has called us each to do his work because together, as Pastor Tim says, we are the body of Christ. Here within our church, we have an amazing number of God's people doing God's work, sharing their gifts. People like Christine Cornelius, who is committed endlessly to God's work. People like Nora Hobson, who are an incredible hope and faith and inspiration to, to us more than you'll ever know. People like Jerry and Adele Martin, who are angels and ambassadors right here among us from God. John Cornelius, whose heart of compassion is huge for others. Mary Ryan, her gift for teaching and her ability to bring God's words to life are amazing. Pastor Tim's diligent efforts to continually challenge us to do God's work and the great example he is for living out our faith. Vince, Jika, the Hall family, Kevin Gentry, the list goes on and on and on. You're all an inspiration to me, and I'm grateful to God for each of you. That common denominator that God uses is people. People serving one another just as Jesus has served us. And God calls us to use these gifts and talents he's given us in different ways. Sometimes that call comes from a still, small voice inside of us. Sometimes it's through a passive scripture we read. Sometimes it's a phone call from a friend needing help. And sometimes God calls us through people within our own church body. Today, I accept the call to this new deacon servant position. And I can't think of a better example of what it means to be and do Christ's work than when I look at my fellow deacon sister, Silva Keach, who selflessly and continually gives to the building of God's kingdom. I look forward to serving alongside you, Sybil, all my other deacons, and each of you in the church body as we seek to do the work of Christ together. So how does God describe us? My prayer is one day soon it will be with two small 
but very powerful words. Faithful servant. As together we follow Christ's example to do his work. Being the presence of Christ, serving a world in need, includes each of us serving one another. As you have graciously served me, I am here today to begin serving you in this new appointment. With Christ's help, I will follow. Thank you for the opportunity to serve. Mary Rye asked me a couple of weeks ago, so why now, Greg? Well, I guess I got that call. So here I am. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for this new opportunity to serve others. May your will be done always through our service. Help us as we minister to others to do so with love and grace that you have shown by your example. Your work is serious work and involves each of us. Give us wisdom and strength to complete it. Set our hearts on fire with the Holy Spirit so that we may share the saving grace of Jesus Christ with others. We ask for your forgiveness where we have failed, and please grant us ample courage and strength to persevere. Together, in Christ's name we pray. Amen. I think we've made some good choices, don't you? Join me in our liturgy of blessing or, or a litur liturgy of ordination. It's a, it's a liturgy of blessing for uh, these two candidates for the office of deacon. And uh, we will read this responsively. And then after that, I would like to ask uh, Nora Hobson, who is our deacon chair for this year, to come forward to lead us in our ordination prayer. After that... Um, we would invite anyone to come and lay their hands on these two candidates and offer your personal blessings to them. And I know a lot of churches, they only invite ordained people to do that, but that's not us. You are the ones who have called these people to this position. And so we invite anyone who would like to, to come, to lay your hands on them and to offer a word of blessing in their ear uh, and and to to give him give them your your thoughts and your prayers, and so that's what we will do. So join me as we uh, read responsibly our liturgy of blessing for Sybil and for Greg. You have listened for the voice of God in sacred places, particularly within your own heart, soul, and mind. Like Samuel, you awakened to a voice calling you in the night. You recognized the voice as God's and responded to God's call. We We rejoice that you have found a place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. Therefore, we bless and affirm your ministry. May you 
May you be surprised by God's light in the darkness when you need the illumination of divine guidance. Above all, know that our prayers will surround you. Christ's peace will go with you. And God's love will sustain you always. This is our assurance and our hope. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Our dear, gracious, heavenly Father. I call on you today and thank you for this day that you have given to each of us. We come before you now when we ask for your blessings on the ordination of our sister Sybil and our brother Greg. May they be faithful servants of your love and of your peace. May their service for you be for all people, serving and helping those in need. May their daily walk with you continue to inspire those who see them. We are ever grateful for their willingness to serve, for their talents, and for their giving of themselves to us. May we as a church body support them in our prayers. And as your children, we pray for maturity for each of us, a maturity to share your love, your patience, and your kindness to all. Bless our service to others so that in what we do brings glory and honor to you. And we as a body of Believers in you ask that you forever present give us love and blessing on those that we bring before you now. Amen. Now, if you would like to come and offer your blessings to Sybil and to Greg, we invite you to do that. And why don't we line up in this direction and and move in this direction? Please come.